not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny It's the long-awaited return of the view from the Ninian after an unexpected two weeks absence due to diary clashes and apathy, maybe? I don't know. Who can say? But we're back. It's a big week ahead for Cardiff City and it's been a big week for Wales. Joining me as always is Ben Price. Ben Price, have you had a haircut? No. No haircuts for Ben Price. Tom Phillips, have you had a haircut? I have. There we go. See? One haircut each on the podcast guest. Tom, what do you have done? Uh, I had a two on the sides and back and I got asked him to cover the corners on the top because it's uh, receding at a rate of knots. Ben Price, what will you do when you get your hair cut next? Because I assume it's coming this week. Uh, it's next week, uh, just full yeah. stag. So 0.5 on the sides and then trim on the top. 0.5? Jeez, yeah, 0.5 fade. It's trim. Actually, I'd no, shave I, it all I, off if I could. Go on then. Well, you can I'm sure you're able to do it. No, it's not really, Ben. No, there is. There is someone very powerful. and Brilliant. We've got Ben Price here committing to a charity head shave for a good cause coming soon. That'll happen this summer. Ben Price, brilliant. What a a fucking gesture that is uh, to start the podcast with. I can't wait to see that uh, this summer. Ben Price shaving his head for a good cause. If we say it enough, it's got to happen, Ben Price. Um, No comment. See, no comment. It's happening. It's happening right before we look forward, we need to look back because that's how we learn things from history. Um, two games to cover that happened seemingly a lifetime ago, Stoke and Preston, Ben Price. Um, let's talk about the Preston game. Um, that happened, didn't it? it? There was certainly something that occurred. A 90-minute snooze fest, I believe, is what the critics said. That's being kind. I mean, it was bleak. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the stats up in front of me now. Um, the expected goals were 0.5 for us, 1.16 for Preston. Um, no big chances created for Cardiff. Um, two big chances for Preston. Um, couple of shots. What do they define as a big chance? Because I can't think of much. It's like Chance the Rapper, but twice as big. Um, I think it's just anything... Like I, I, I did read a mathematical formula for it, basically, but it's anything that has a... I think there's a way of working out that there's like a higher probability of a goal being scored from it. So it's like a shot on target, a shot from inside the penalty box that might go wide. That could be seen as a big chance. All right. But yeah, I can't think of one. The whole No, it's, I, it was the most uneventful 90 minutes of football I think we've had in a long time. And that says something in the McCarthy reign as well. At least under the McCarthy reign, like especially at the start of this season, we'd be guaranteed to concede a couple of goals and be not very yeah, good. Yeah, there was Give you something to get angry about. But the Preston game just felt like it was two teams who were kind of resigned to finishing mid-table, right? That's exactly the feel. They were like, I've never seen, was it early March, mid-March, teams on the beach that soon. It was quite impressive. Yeah. And I think that's basically all but ended Preston. Well, Preston in the last few weeks have all but ended their playoff hopes. Then I think they're only 10 points off, but it's such a tight playoff race that I can't see them getting back. But Tom, Preston was one game. Stoke was the other game. Um, we barely beat Stoke. Showed a bit of resilience to come from behind and win 2-1. Yeah, it was the complete opposite of the Preston game, wasn't it? It was an eventful, enjoyable game to watch. I thought, you know, their, their, their goal came from their first real chance, really. First, first time they'd really troubled us. Probably a bit sloppy from us as well, giving them that much space on the edge of the box. But the way we reacted was fantastic and we probably could have scored a couple more as well. But just the nature of the goals as well, the Doyle finish, you know, just lovely interplay leading up to it. It was just, 
I just I just finished that 90 minutes and thought that is worth watching. And there's been a couple yeah. of games this year where we've kind of gone, well, that's a bit of a waste of time, but that certainly wasn't one of them. Uh, Tom, you mentioned that first goal. Was it a classic Cardiff City goal to concede? Stood off to the, the, the man, he broke from the middle. Decent long-range strike, but we've seen a lot of that this season, haven't we? Yeah, it felt as if as soon as the ball kind of landed at Lewis Baker's feet, you kind of knew what was coming because we've seen it so many times before. And it was just a really, really disappointing one. But I, I think it was so important then that we got back on the score sheet before half-time because I think that game could have easily got away from us if they if we'd gone in half-time losing that game. But we didn't really look back after that. Um, I, I was really, really impressed. I, and it, it, just, it was just enjoyable. It, I think that was the big thing about it. I thought we had a lot about us. We played some decent football as well. And yeah, I just came away from that extremely happy, which I feel like I haven't done a huge amount. From, from a performance side of it, I don't think I've come away from a game that satisfied. Results-wise, I could be answered for that, fantastic. But performance-wise, I thought it was almost a complete performance from us. Looking at the stats, our expected goals are 1.8, theirs are 0.81. We had more shots, we had more big chances, um, we, we had more corners, we had more shots inside the box. Ben, it was a kind of, didn't have as much possession as them, but Ben, that's kind of what's becoming Morrison's staple, isn't it? It's, a, it's taking us back to the glory days of Warnock where we don't have the ball much, but we do a lot with it when we do have the ball. Yeah, we're just effective and very well drilled in what we're doing now. Um, the stuff's really starting to come together. Um, the play, like everyone really is getting an understanding of their roles. Uh, don't know what drama had for breakfast that day, but Jesus Christ, he was a man possessed for 90 minutes. Just everything about the team, though, it's sort of got the team going throughout. And every, no one had a bad game. No one even like had a sort of middling game. Everyone was really solid to very good in that game, which is really nice to see. Because even in our better performances, they've sort of been not passengers, but no, not everyone sort of stepped up that next level. But it sort of gives you the false hope that, oh, what could be coming next season? Now this season's sort of done and dusted. Um, Tom, you've already touched upon it. Doyle scored, uh, I think it was the first goal to make it one all. Um, what a lovely bit of play for the for the finish. I great. You can see he's got that bit of class about him. You know, he's got composure. You know, you get they're not easy finishes. They they look simple at first glance, but he, you know, he's just so good on the ball. And he's gonna go far, isn't he? Like it's such a pity he's not actually one of our Academy products because yeah. he's he's something special. He's been I think he's blown us all the way since he's come in. Like we were hoping for, you know, a decent player come from Man City to kind of pl- plug a gap, but he's just excelled in that area. And, you know, he's adding goals because we haven't got a lot of goals. We haven't got an out-and-out striker like we had last season. So we need the goals to be spread out a little bit. And he's really, like, you know, contributing in that, in that area of the field. Talking with a striker, we've sort of missed goals in midfield for a while, haven't we? We've yeah. only really had Volks or Pitt, like, pop up with like a consolation goal of a goal of the season contender every sort of now and again. Pack's never really been a goal scorer. And as good as Joe Rolls has been, probably the one criticism you can have of him is he doesn't get himself in enough goal scoring positions. So to have goals coming from midfield is is would be a bonus anyway. It's something that the club sort of needed. So he's doing fantastic. The last, the last player we had who scored goals from midfield was probably the promotion year where we had Hoylett and Patterson because Patterson at that point was playing largely as a midfielder. And they both got sort of nine, ten goals each. And then Camarasa got a few the following year. But since then, they've really dried up in the midfield space. Yeah, and it's like it's only two two goals in 13. But that's not a bad return for someone who's just come into a squad. like, And he's got an assist to his name as well. It's just, I don't know, he's just, it, he just, 
he oh, carries know, himself class, yeah he? it's just i feel like I've, I've stopped myself then because I, i've said the same thing week on week and everyone's saying the same thing but i feel like it needs to be repeated he's just he's so good on the ball and he's just he's just so effortless when but, he's got the ball at his feet but that's what big clubs teach you right if you're at man city from nine or ten years old especially now under the guardiola era what you're taught is what to do with the ball right you're taught how to look after the ball keep the ball and how to to play it around well you know when you're a an academy player at a club that doesn't really have an ethos, like perhaps Cardiff City, you're just taught how to get into the first team perhaps or how to get to the reserve level and maybe then after that it's on you. But they foster footballing ability at these football clubs and that's what Doyle's got in abundance. He just plays football a different way. He's, just a, he's a thought ahead every time as well. And you're looking at, you look at the England under-21s the other day, he's getting ahead of like players that are playing regular Premier League football. So it's not just the Cardiff fans are sort of thinking he's impressive. It's clearly, and probably unfortunately for us for next year, people are taking notice of his performances down the Cardiff City Stadium and really, really seeing as a standout player for next year. I think the feeling is, I think he'll be the next sort of Gallagher sort of player when he's half a season in the Championship, blow it away, and we'll go to a sort of lower half Premier League club next year. And You can see him at somewhere like Palace, the way they play football and the way yeah. they're, they're, they're set up under Vieira. He's exactly the kind of person, like if they can't get Gallagher back, why not go for someone like Doyle? He might not be as explosive as Gallagher, but he'll go in there and do a job for him in a different way. Um, you talk about an out-and-out striker, Tom, but Ben, uh, Jordan Hugel um, popped up with another goal, assisted by that man again, Cody Drammer. Um, Hugel's, he can finish, can't he? Like, it was a really good little finish from him from the edge of the box when it looked like he didn't have much else he could do. Yeah, he was just quality, wasn't it? It's just, it's a natural goal to an instinct that he's probably not had for a few years because he's not had a run in games. He's not had that confidence, but he's with us now and he's looking really, really confident. He's looking like, you compare the pimp to how he was at West Brom. It's a completely different player. You wouldn't think that the same player, the way he's playing at the moment, he's been just full of confidence, full of life, full of energy and sort of works hard. He's scoring a few goals and works hard for each and every one of them. He's been another brilliant loan signing and again, drama as well, the press there. He's when he won the ball, he was playing as a second striker and he's playing the wing back. But the energy clear, just to cr- it's clear that something in Morrison's system. Sorry to cut you across there, it's just a thought that occurred to me. It's like the first chance we had in the Stoke game came from Bagan, who was up in, in his you know in the penalty box again. But Bagan went three games, I'll say his name two different ways. He went three games scoring a goal a game, and he's getting on the end of things that he hadn't before. There's clearly something in Morrison's system that puts the onus on the fullbacks just to attack. And now we've got Drama who is clearly just made for that position and Bagan who's growing into that role it's it's exciting to see that we're actually unleashing our fullbacks isn't it Ben? Well we're using wing backs as they should be used the yeah. way that sort of other teams have used them in the past when we've gone with the wing back system we've had them as wing backs as such but they've just been playing right and left back with an extra central defender in, alongside the other two um, we're finally getting players that have got the energy to get up and down Probably the one criticism you can sort of level at NG when he plays wing back is he's not an up and down wing back. He's more of your traditional attacking right back, if that makes sense. He's not sort of, and it's not an easy position to play, but you've got to have a lot of energy, you've got to have a lot of legs in you to sort of play that wing back thing up and down because you're basically covering two positions. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got to get the right player and the right fit there. And um, at the moment, it seems to be really work and developing one of our own and a really, really exciting prospect from Leeds there as well is always going to be a bonus. I suppose 
the, the benefit of playing drama there means that MG's moves become that centre-half position and he's excelling there and that probably plays more to his strengths where he is more of an out-and-out defender. So it's it's unleashed him there as well. Um, I mean, we've, we've covered, uh, we could talk about drama all day, but um, Tom, it's going to be sad when he leaves at the end of the season and becomes a, a starting fullback for for Leeds, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be tough at the end of the season with the amount of players that are just going to go out the door and he's just one of them, isn't he? And, you know, it would have been a lot tougher if we dropped into League One. So I'll take, you know, falling in love with a few loan signings and then disappearing and then playing in yeah. League One. So I, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'll get over it pretty quick. Never fall in love with a loan signing is the truth. Um, but there's one person we don't have to fall in love with anymore, and that's Sam Hamam. Um, obviously, a lot, few things have happened in the last couple of weeks, but obviously one of the major bits of news is that we've ended our legal dispute with Sam Hamam, or Sam Hamam's ended his legal dispute with us. There's been an out-of-court settlement with Vincent Tan, terms undisclosed. But the good news from that, or the bad news, if you still think Sam Hamam has any fucking relevancy for this football club, um, is that the snake has officially stepped down as the club's vice pres- uh, life president, sorry, Ben, how big is that to kind of finally see the back of Sam Herman? It's as big as his eyebrows. It's massive. Eyebrows. Eyebrows, yeah. Just to be free of that leech is huge for the club. It's just a threat that's sort of been hanging over us like a nasty smell for years. And just to finally be free of him and sort of move on and put the final bit of that, that legacy to bed. Like the people that argue he's done some good stuff and he did, but realistically, most of the good stuff came after he left the stadium sort of plans he put in place were never going to happen. You look at the original designs to what got delivered. Mm. It was never happening under Herman. He was all talk and just no action. Um, the club is um, will be in a far, far better place without him. And I'm glad he's gone. Tom, is it important that we kind of cut those ties with the people who are holding us back? Obviously, Sam Herman is a, a throwback now to the late nineties when he first came in. Um, and he, you know, he, he, he almost, killed the club at the end of the 2000s it's just it's a symbolic thing isn't it to say goodbye to him and kind of wave goodbye to that past 100% yeah I think we've had a lot of things go on in our past that we'd like to forget about but that is a long-standing one that we need to move on from you know we, we're, we're hoping for a transformation on the pitch but it's more important that we have a transformation off it um, and he's just been hanging around like 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 Ben said like a bad smell you know and he just needed to go it he wasn't causing us a huge amount of day-to-day annoyance, but it just he kept popping it just up. hangs over the club, Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I'm not really sure what he was doing, but now we know it's settled. I don't, I don't care how it was settled. He's gone now. So we, it's something we, hopefully we never have to mention him again on this pod. That's right. There's, there's, a, there's a, a moratorium on us saying the word Sam Haman after this episode. Um, once this episode's done, anyone who says it has to donate to Ben's head shaving fund. Um, <laughs> of course um, in, in, in the time we've been away um, it's also been the two year anniversary of Peter Whittingham's passing um, I still can't believe it's been two years I still can't believe he's gone uh, but the, the one good piece of news around this Ben I guess if that's what you want to say is that the club has finally announced a tribute game later this year for him um, it's been a long time coming um, what do you make of it Ben what, what else would you like to see happen at the game um, hopefully it's with a like a longer term tribute, hopefully it gives the family like that final bit of closure, and it gives the fans a proper chance to say goodbye. Because as emotional as that moment was at the start of the season, it's it felt sort of pushed in it. It didn't feel like it was dedicated just for wits to give him sort of send off he deserves. And the fact the club have really like, well, I think this was always going to be the case of doing something like this. But the club are really now putting in place the plans 
to give a true Cardiff City great his proper send-off from the club is the right thing and I'm delighted to see it coming off and I hope the club do him proud and do it really well. Yeah, Tom, I think, you know, I, I would always say in the club's defence, I think from when the news broke, I was in some of those early press conferences and the club always said they wanted to do something and they were trying to get everything done in place with with his family in play, with all the former players, because obviously everyone was still really close with him. And it, it, it's been really hard to kind of organise during a, a global pandemic and everything else that's been going on. Um, Ben's mentioned they're a permanent tribute. I mean, he's if he's not the greatest, if he, for me, he's the greatest player in my, in, my, in my lifetime. He's probably one of the, top, if not the best, definitely top three players to ever play for the club. What permanent tribute would you like to see? Obviously, the game will probably lead to something like this. What what would you do? Is it a stand? Is it a statue? Is it something more permanent? I think a stand is just the obvious choice, really. You know, we haven't got stands named after anyone already. You don't need to oust a club great out yeah. or anything like that as well. There's they, no they, sponsorship implications there because none of them are sponsored. Exactly. So it's just the obvious thing to do. I'm not a big fan of this retiring number thing. Um, I've just never quite got the point of that really I think a stand would be the ideal thing and and in terms of the, the game as well fair play to the club really because they could have rushed it out you know it would have been an easy thing to do as soon as we're back in the stadiums but I, I think they just want to get it right you know we've seen like for example Kev, and it was a bit of a different one but Kev's testimonial um, game where it just wasn't the occasion it should have been and that would have been a real real pity if something like that was repeated again for something of this magnitude so I, I really hope there's a strong turnout for this for the, the tribute game because it's, it's exactly what he deserves. You know, every time like when this comes around the two year anniversary, you see you know, on Twitter the goals come up, and yeah. you can scroll down. It's another goal. It's another goal. It's not like he scored a couple of belters for us. This bloke scored worldy after worldy, important goal after important goal, and you sometimes forget what an impact he had. And we're spoiled as this generation of Cardiff fans to watch him week in, week out because he's just he was just an unbelievable player. And the fact that he didn't go to the Premier League and stuck with us, like we are so, so fortunate for that. So I, I really hope there's a stand and I really hope that, that the game is something to remember because it is what he deserves. Yeah, completely. I think a stand, I think a stand or a statue or you know, a stand and then there's a permanent mural to him within that yeah. stand is it would be a really nice touch. So I think yeah, the Peter Whitnam stand would be um, would be the perfect kind of um, tribute to him, um, and yeah, let's hope that the club do make it an occasion to remember and something that his his family can kind of you know get some closure from with in relation to the football club. Right. Also, what's happened in the last couple of weeks, and it's something we have to talk about, Tom Ben. There was a small matter of the Wales game, uh, Wales Austria last Thursday. Um, I don't know if you heard about that. I don't know if you saw it. Um, it was quite a low key event down at the Cardiff City Stadium, Ben. Um, I guess the, the first thing to say is what a night. Yeah, it was a quiet night in the office, wasn't it? Not. Yeah. That is <laughs> class. It was honestly one of the, it's one of the best nights of football I think I've ever experienced. Just everything from start to finish was just, ah, oh, I get goosebumps now thinking about it. I've, I don't think, there aren't many occasions of stuff like pre-match videos I've watched that many times as the stuff has appeared on Twitter. Whenever something new is popping up, it's a different yeah. view of the song or if it's like just the anthem or whatever it is, I'm watching them all and I've not stopped watching them. I've not got bored of them. I've seen Gareth Bale's free kick from about 800 different angles, the noise of the crowd, just everything about it. I, I can't get enough of it. It's, um, it was a special, special night that really will live long in the memory. 
Tom, as as someone who follows Wales both home and away, who you know was there at the Euros, was there in um, uh, you know plenty other occasions. Where does that rank for you on occasions? And I think obviously it's not the final. Obviously it's half a job done, as as Gunter and and Bale and and Ramsey have all said. But the occasion itself, it it, it was just a special night, wasn't it, for Welsh football? Yeah, like obviously there's been some insane games for us over the last five, ten years. You know, you look at the Belgium result in the Euros. Yeah. This weirdly felt like it eclipsed it in terms of all, not the result, but the all-round occasion, like you said, just the build-up to it, the, the way the FAW got everything right around the ground, encouraged people to get there early, people did. And you just looked around and just the anticipation across those fans and the air of confidence that I've never seen with Wales before, that it just felt, I was nervous, don't get me wrong, but... I was trying to quell the kind of optimism that I had because mm. I'm not normally going into games confident. Yeah. But you can see why now. Like, I know it was only 2-1 and they had an early chance and stuff, but on another night, we scored five. Yeah. And it, it was just a complete performance. It was an unbelievable occasion. And, you know, we're a Cardiff City podcast here, so we, we can say, like, you know, Gareth Bale might be a future Wales um, a Cardiff player. So there is a Cardiff slant to all this. This isn't yeah. just, you know, we're, we're not just forcing this and it's fine. But no, it was it was an unbelievable night. And I really, really hope that the, the proposed game in June will be if, the same, if not better. Um, you've already touched upon it there. Obviously, there's, there was a few Cardiff players in the squad. Volks was, wasn't included in the squad. I think Harris is on the bench. But future Cardiff City player, Ben, uh, Gareth Bale, it was your it was your your typical Gareth Bale performance. He was involved a little bit here and there, but he had two massive moments. And that first free kick, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a better, you know, we talk about Whittingham. I don't think I've seen a better free kick live than Bale's. That was just the the how he got that up and down over the arc. It was the only place he could put it, and he put it there, didn't he? Yeah, like you couldn't have if you had the ball in your hands and tried placing it in a better place, you couldn't have got it where he wanted to put it. Um yeah, I felt like a right dickhead because I saw Bale sort of lining up to take that free kick. I turned to the mist, I go, oh, he's barely played. The form Wilson's in, he should be having that. <laughs> and uh, he he does that. And my beautiful fiance turns around to me and goes, you know, fuck all. And she's right. Absolutely bang on. And that's why I, we're kicking you off the podcast. <laughs> unless I shave my head, is it? Yeah, unless you shave your head. Yeah. But yeah, just unbelievable, that free kick. It's just... Yeah, like you said about Wits, like he scored some unbelievable ones, but even he'd stand up and clap that because fucking hell, just... I think um, when it was about, when he was lining it up, I turned to my Paul and I was absolutely desperate for a piss at that point. And I just turned to him and said, he's got to score this, otherwise I'm going to piss myself. And um, he did. And I was able to go for a piss almost immediately afterwards. And it was a, a light relief from that. Um, and Tom, uh, the second goal... I, 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 when I when I saw it unfold, I wasn't quite sure how he got the ball out from under his feet. When I've watched the replay, even when he's back to goal, kind of turning to shoot, the crowd know what's going to happen. And that's just the measure of the man, isn't it? Like, there's not many players who could score when they're facing the wrong way with his left foot, with his absolute sandwich of a left foot. It was an incredible finish. Oh, unbelievable. And like, the fact the free kick was so good means that this goal has hardly been mentioned. And the, the skill to do that, you know, it takes it off Ben Davis's feet and, like you said, hits it on that swivel. It's just the technique is something else. But he's always had that about him. Like you said, yeah. people are excited. Like, he's the only player I've ever seen live where you'll pick it up on the edge of his box. Like, he did it at home against Iceland. 
yeah. where he picks it up, face it the wrong way on the edge of his box, and the crowd go, oh, as if yeah, someone's going to it. ha- Yeah, it's going to happen. He's sent the yards from goal, and inevitably he runs up the other end and scores. And it's just, oh, he's just so good to watch. Again, we said with, with Whitten, and we were lucky to watch him week in, week out. We're lucky to watch this bloke play for Wales as well, because he absolutely loves it. And yeah, when he comes to Cardiff next year, I don't care if he only gets a couple of games, you know, it's going to be some spectacle. Um, he's been playing for Wales for 16 years because he's made his debut at 16. He's now 32. Um, it's, it's, it's like we've never not had him. Like he, he's spanning no. two or three eras of Wales teams, isn't he? From the early days of Tosh to the middle years of obviously Speed and then Coleman. And now he's leading the next generation again. He's, I think we're so lucky. We're just so lucky. This um, is you pretending you're younger than you are there, by the way, saying so you've never not had him. But you know, I respect. No, no, but you know, no, I said it's all. like I said it's like we've never not had him. Is okay, what I okay. said. If you, if okay. you hear that, it's, it's like we've never not had him. All right, sorry. Yeah, but I remember the I remember the days of Ryan Giggs. <laughs> I remember when we had Giggsy, and like Giggs would never show up, and like to have somebody who runs through brick walls just to be able to play for Wales. He didn't even let me finish my point. Shows the refreshing nature of Gareth Bale, like a like a delicious squash. That's um, what I love about it, though, isn't it? The passion and the enjoyment from all those lads. Is just something to behold. Like they enjoy being there, which is yeah. makes it just like it feels like another club. It feels like we're supporting another club when you go for Wales. It's just yeah, yeah it's just amazing. The atmosphere, just everything about it is so good. Uh, and Tom, I'm going to reference one of your tweets here. Um, there's a friendly tomorrow. Um, is it nice not to think that you're going to have an aneurysm 12 hours before the game? Yeah, because part of me thought oh, I won't bother going, and then that quickly disappeared anyway because. I'd love going but it is quite nice just I'm not even going in the canton I'm going to sit in the Ninian for the first time in an absolute age just because I, I just quite like the idea of sitting down and watching a game of football I'm not having the pressure the of Ninian exactly there we go back to Cardiff well done but yeah I can just relax watch a game of football and I have to jump up and down and scream and watch my heart rate on my Fitbit which is quite fun to do after we scored a goal because it shouldn't go as high as it does but, <laughs> so, so it like, are you like that Millwall fan who hit 210 well, well he was I mean, without the extracurriculars yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yes effectively but yeah it's quite nice to just have a little night out watch a bit of football and go home happy whatever happens um, I was going to ask about the question about what you see happening in June but it's so unknown at the moment um, but I guess the question is Ben if we play like we did against Austria and as, as Tom alluded to we could have scored four or five goals yeah Scotland, Ukraine, we could we could beat either of them. I'm not saying we will, but there's we've got a chance, right? Look, with the with the crowd like that and the atmosphere built like that and the players playing the way they did, I don't think there's many teams that would stand a chance against us, especially with our record at the Car City Stadium, the confidence and sort of the self-belief within those players in this ground. Anything anything is possible. I'm not gonna say we're gonna win or we're gonna be hard to beat, but anything's possible that night and it's gonna be unbelievable I'm to be honest part of me is glad it's in June because I need that to recover because yeah the nerves I, I three like sort of four o'clock yesterday sort of finished on, on a Thursday finished work get into town I thought right well what, we'll go to the game and then we'll probably go out for a few beers afterwards I'll leave the car in town and it'll be fine it got to full time I had a pint before the game got to full time and I was just mentally exhausted I was like right we've got to go home because I'm just knackered here the thought of going to town and sort of going out just couldn't happen there. So, yeah, doing that again on Tuesday, we're just ruined for the rest of the week. Uh, well, we sit here now, Tom and I are pretty much ruined for the rest of the week, right? Um, end yeah. up in Welsh Club till three-ish, maybe. Um, 
very young crowd in Welshville, wasn't it, Tom? Yeah. Yeah, felt yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> did feel uncomfortable um, and if you want to act like you're within that young crowd you should take advantage of the next offer from our sponsors Manscaped here at VFTN we're all about the smooth moves whether it's a Joe Rawls through ball or a Shawnee Moz celebration we simply love it when things run smooth and that's why we're big fans of the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 we've been using their lawnmower shaver now for the past few weeks and let me tell you it's as smooth as Robert Earnshaw's head down there I've been using razors and scissors to keep myself trimmed down below but this device changes the game whether it's your plums your armpits or your chest the lawnmower's skin safe technology leaves you smooth and clean without any risks of bumps or nicks and when you're done you can use their crop preserver deodorant to keep things feeling super fresh down there it's a game changer i never knew i needed it and now i can't live without it and for our view from the ninian listeners we've teamed up with manscaped to offer you 20 percent off their performance package 4.0 not only do you get the lawnmower 4.0 shaver and the crop preserver deodorant but you also get the weed whacker for those of you out there with that excess nose and ear hair we see you and a refreshing crop reviver tonic you'll also get a pair of manscaped boxes thrown in as well as a bag to keep all your bits in it's simply not to be missed to get your hands on the very best in male grooming head over to uk.manscape.com and select the performance package 4.0 and at the checkout use the code vftninian for 20 percent off your purchase that's vftninian for 20 percent off your purchase trust us your balls will thank you that's a terrible link but it's fine we, we we've come back off the edit now and we'll go to the uh, twitter questions as usual uh, thanks very much to all the people who sent in comments questions everything in between let's start with gonzo mckenzie tom this one's for you as someone who's part of the goalkeepers union given our relative safely safety is it worth it after the swansea game giving george radcliffe three or four games before the end of the season very difficult for young keepers to get game time and would let management judge how ready we are to let one of the current keepers go do you agree with that tom is that something you'd like to see I'll split them here a bit. I, I do completely understand the logic. And I think it just depends on if we plan to offer contracts, extensions to Smithies, really. And, you know, it'd just be quite nice to see Dylan Phillips get back in, in goals as well, because he could do with a run of games. So, yeah, maybe a token appearance towards the end of the season. I wouldn't do it for a, a block of fixtures, but, yeah, getting him in the starting eleven for a game before the end of the season is probably wise. Uh, the follow-up on that is from Yusuf Taleb, and he said, been talking about this a lot with mates recently, Smithies would need to take a huge wage drop, which is probably in the current market, but then he would rather take that wage drop and look for a move closer to home. There's a rumour going around that he's close to signing a new contract, though, which is great news. If not, if this is not true, though, then we need to plan for the future after the Swansea game. He unfortunately needs to be dropped. Neither Phillips or Ratcliffe needs to play every minute of the remaining matches. And I think Phillips is, Phillips is definitely good enough. I think his confidence took a hit. Um, at some point over the last couple of seasons so hopefully we'll we'll see a bit more of him the next question is from Bluebird's past Ben based on our recent dismal showings and the apathy shown from players and especially managers towards the derby he's looking at you Mick McCarthy I can't see Morrison and this bunch being quite so blasé about being it just another game can you? No I don't think it's we've all seen how tense Morrison 1R is um, he's not going to turn down the chance for like sort of get that he the, the last thing he wants is being the manager that led Cardiff to the losing the first two derbies in a row. Um, yeah, he's not going to want that. He's he knows what this means. He's gonna he's gonna want to beat him. He's going to want to say I'm the manager that took that beat the Jacks and sort of hopefully beat him comfortably. He's not going to take this line down. He's not going to downplay it like sort of previous managers have. And following on from that, Tom, Oliver Reese, for the first time in a while, we're going into a derby where it feels like the fans, players, management, ETC, are all on the same page. That can only be a positive. I previously won £101 on Flint 1-0 Cardiff last season. 
Um, any outlandish suggestions for Saturday, Tom? I'm yet to meet someone who didn't win that bet last season. I think everyone like every, had money on it. You had I, money I on it. My dad did, yeah. yeah. Outlandish ones. I don't know. I, I've got... I don't know we'll come on to predictions, but I, I'm. if it wasn't for the whole thing around the double, I'm really confident going into this game. It's only a little bit of a fear thing that I don't want to be... You know, we've done this to be the first time the double's been done. But I, I, I can't see them being us. And... So I, I don't know. I, I I'm going to go for a three nil win as my outlandish claim and a, a Wintle double in there. A Wintle double in there. Why? Yeah. Why not? Um, Sam in the comments said Perry NG one nil. Ben, have you got any outlandish bets? I've got no outlandish bets. I'm shit at betting at the best of times. I think I've won thirty quid all year. Not that I bet that much, but you know, I'm terrible at it. Um, to be honest, I know we're going to come to it later, but yeah, I, I'd take a nil-nil. Honestly, just don't want to lose. I don't want the double being done. I can't deal with the thought of that. So anything other than not losing, I'll take. I've got, I think, I think Drama's going to get a goal, so I can see it being 2-0 with Drama to score first. That would be my outlandish bet. Uh, Jamie Pryor, wouldn't it be nice to give them a spanking, two or three goals to nil? They seem to do that us on the occasion where our wins are narrow by the odd goal. And then Chris Matchin follows up with, it would be good, but to be honest, I'd take a drab nil-nil as long as them lot don't do the double. So I feel like all the fans are either, there's two default positions amongst the fans here. We could win, but I don't mind drawing nil-nil. Mark Carter, friend of the pod. Is Gareth Bale coming in the summer? John Oster told me that Dirk Coit told him that's happening. And that's because Dirk Coit has enrolled his kids in the same school as Gareth Bale. That's Howells. They're all going to be there at the same time. They're all going to be living together. Um, Tom? It felt quite ridiculous to say that Gareth Bale could be coming to Cardiff. But there was an article in The Athletic over the last week that said that it's not a dis- it's not completely out of the question. Now, not completely out of the question means there could be a 1% chance of it happening. But is there a part of you that thinks it could happen? Yeah, like your initial thought is, don't be daft. There's no way it's happening. And then you, I'd sit down and kind of break it down and go, well, there's a chance like he'd retire at this point. You know, after whatever that's happened in Madrid... He could retire now, but if Wales qualify for a World Cup, he's playing in that World Cup. So why not go and play for your hometown for peanuts just to stay fit? And then, got businesses here. He's got his new golf course. Exactly. He's got 11's bar. He can do some shifts at 11's bar to pick up some extra cash. Exactly. You know, and, and the more you kind of think about it, the more you convince yourself that it's going to happen. So it's definitely not out of the question. I still think it's highly unlikely, but the, the more I think about it, the more excited I get. Ben? I think it all lies on June, doesn't it? I think his entire career lies on June. If we don't qualify, if the yeah, worst happens, we don't qualify. I can see him hanging his boots up and I yeah. wouldn't blame him for it. But if we do qualify, it's us or Spurs, really. He's going to go somewhere he wants to be loved. He's not going to go to a new club at this stage in his career, I don't think. He's he's either going to come to us, which is a new, obviously it's a new club, but sort of he's coming home where he's going to Spurs. Um the thing that sort of gives you that false confidence is the Bellamy thing, isn't it? It's basically all his fault that we're, when he inevitably ends up in the NLS or wherever he goes, we're disappointed. <laughs> so, fuck's sake, Craig Bellamy. But yeah, like, I'd love to see it happen. Part of me's already thinking, do I get bail on my next season shirt or not? Do it anyway, mate. Do it anyway. Yeah. Just say your name, Ben Bale. 
Um, Jonathan, can't wait to see the atmosphere this weekend. Unfortunately, my stepfather misses this one after passing away Friday. He would have loved nothing more than seeing us win. So really hoping for a good day. Uh, our condolences to you, Jonathan, and hope that the boys can get that win on Saturday to 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 make your stepfather proud as he as he watches on, no doubt. Diff MJ, it feels like the derby is always or right after always after or right before an international break. Do you think the extra week away could benefit us there or them more? Um I think it benefits us, Ben. What does it benefit? Who does it benefit in your eyes? I th- probably us because we've played more football. They've got a lot of games. They've still got quite a few games to play to make up sort of that January to Jan- end of December, mid January time where they sort of had their six games in the bank cancelled, something stupid like that. They didn't play for yeah. a long time. So, yeah, I think they're not, well, they, they're going to be able to match fitness now. But yeah, we, we're going to have had the longer time to recover and sort of need the recovery more than they did at the moment. They've only got one game in hand on us. Well, Are they called on me up then? Yeah, yeah, they're on 37, we're on 38. So we've, we've got, got, eight, got nine games. Yeah. We had that little gap at the end and that's why we haven't had a pod for a while as well, you know, yeah. when they had that game. Because you meant to play yeah. Borough, yeah, Borough in the cup. Um, yeah. Sam Sam Hill Doyle and Drama could be huge in turning the result our way pressing Swansea high up the pitch seems to lead them into making a lot of errors not an Uche game for me for me for me, for me. which manager out of SM and RM that's uh, Steve Morrison with one R and Russell Martin has the higher managerial ceiling and what minute does their fight break out um, I don't I don't really know which one's got the higher managerial ceiling because there's there's if, if, you're, if you're a team who likes people who pass around, then Russell Martin's going to be the next person you look at. If you're a team who likes playing effective and, and low possession football and um, getting up the pitch quickly, then it's going to be Steve Morrison. I think it, I don't, I don't, I don't see them, pre, I don't see either of them getting to the Premier League anytime soon. Um, there's, there's a reason they're managing Cardiff and Swansea at this stage for me. I think Russell Martin's far more fashionable. I think it's been like Bournemouth when Scott Parker inevitably gets sacked for being batting average as he normally is, or Everton in the, when they're down the championship because they've got Fat Frank there, he's the kind of bloke that people will look at and go, oh, well, they play fantastic stuff. If they yeah, be, yeah be an outside budget. chance, wouldn't he? Yeah, if, he, if he's given a real budget, he could do things and he can't. He'll get you passing a lot and it'll be entertaining times to watch, other times infuriating. Um, but I think purely because he's more fashionable, I think he's going to be the more obvious choice for people out of the two to sort of go further up, further along in his career. Um, Tom, then the question for you is, in what minute does their fight break out? Well, they had a crossover, didn't they? When they were, they've both been at Norwich together. Yeah. So I can imagine this, I can't imagine them getting on, mainly because, as I keep saying, I think Steve Morrison's probably a bit of a bell end. So I reckon straight away, do like in those ice hockey games where someone comes back or there's been a feud in earlier seasons and they just, Smash immediately after kickoff yeah then yeah. I reckon they'll just do that and I'd, a minute I'd, in I'd love to see it have you seen the video of the kid do you know like how we have a half time you have the kids games on the football pitch there was an NHL game that did some kids like did like a kids version of that and one of the kids instead of playing the game just chucked his sticks and took his gloves off and just attacked the mascot and just good. kept on going in and just leathering this mascot it was so good. Perhaps we go the other way then and put Steve Morrison in the mascot outfit and then get him to attack Russell attack Martin. Russell Martin. Kick yeah. his head in. Yeah. Or are we, we're, miss, we're missing the obvious one. It was when does, Steve, when does Morrison fight Cyril the Swan? Will Cyril the Swan be allowed there? Just be in the car park, I assume, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris, Chris Boudini. Chris off your dad's fighting field. 
Uh, Dyer's been arrested for illegal fighting. Chris Boudney, I normally dread this fixture and every Jack I know is always uber confident of a sound of a resounding win. Something feels different this time though under Morrison. I can't be the only one thinking we're going to smash them 4-0. You're the only one who's willing to say it out loud, frankly. Um, I'll say it. I think we'll smash them 4-0 as well. Go on, there you go, Tom. This, yeah, this will get clipped and bite us on the arse. I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it, because I don't know, I've just got... We might go theme. viral. We might get for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, There hooray. we go. It's all a point. Uh, no, I, I think we're in for nil. Anthony Jones, about time Joe Rawls got a song. Any more with any ideas? May encourage him to sign that contract. Well, I think what we just need to do is commandeer the Walcott sign the ting thing and make it about Rawls. Rawls, he signed the ting. Uh, it might not be a ting to sign. That's what we say at this stage. Uh, K49745, pretty much all the blue seats in the stadium are sold out and a fair share of the red seats too. Could potentially hit 30k on Saturday. I think most of the red seats from what I've seen on Twitter today are sold out. Um, so um, it's looking like it could, it could be a sellout at the CCS on Saturday. Uh, Pre-CCFC, Ben, thoughts on the game being moved to a 3pm kickoff for the first time in 35 years? I'm all for it. Like, I hate midday kickoffs. They're just a pain in the ass. It's not nice for either side. Like, it's still a bubble trip. We still haven't got that sort of freedom of movement there, sort of making it a proper away day, but it just makes things a bit more enjoyable for everyone. Like, no one likes getting down to that stadium for midday because it's never a half-off kickoff. It's always a midday. Um, the away is even worse. You've got to get up a stupid clock just even though it's like an hour down the road. But I'm all for it. Hopefully it's hopefully it's feisty, but there's no stupid shit. And it can stay like that for the foreseeable future because I think it's better for everyone. Tom, is the only reason it's being played at three o'clock on a Saturday because there's fuck all riding on it for the first time in a few years? Well, yeah, TV don't want it, do they? Because it's enough. It's a, it's a dry, dead rubber. Sorry, dry rubber, dead rubber. Um, so, but, but look, we're seeing that now in the attendance. You know, people are turning up to watch this game. And yes, we've improved recently, but it's more convenient for people. You know, people have got families. You know, people have got plans outside of football. So, putting it on at a normal time is attracting more people to the stadium, and it just makes sense. You know, I think football fans are treated like animals a lot of the times so when dictated by the police and stuff like that as well. And I reckon we'll see less bother because of it, because we're not being hurt. Like, You're not being antagonised, are you? You're yeah, not being exactly. herded. You're not being treated like a piece of shit. Yeah, so, no, I think it's great. I think it's great for the fans to have that back. It, it, it probably should be. Uh, George Lilly, would you take a nil-nil now or hope to win? Swansea could turn up and play him well or not turn up and be absolute dire. Let's hope for the latter. And then I've got two, two questions to end on. One that's a bit of a belter, and this one from Ellis Hearn, which I'm really happy about as well. I'll open up to the floor to you first, Ben. Who would win in a fight, Steve Morrison or Will Smith? Will Smith. I, I've got... Yeah, it wasn't I, a good was, slap. It wasn't a good slap. No, I, it's just... I think Morrison would just take that slap and then just stick the head on him, to be honest. So I'm going Steve Morrison every day of the week against Will Smith. Tom? Uh, yeah, um, Steve Morrison, or even if he tags in Perry and G from the side I think Perry's got him as well so yeah I don't think Will Smith stands a chance also I think like the slap was so weak that kind of Morrison would kind of do that thing where he rubs his face and goes somehow he's bleeding and look at the blood and go <laughs> and then just nut him and then murder him but then the good the, the better question not the better question the more taxing question that came into the DMs from Ollie at Ballon at Ballon Moore uh, throwback there to when Keith Moore used to play for us <laughs> Would you allow Swansea 
to do the double over us if it went, meant Wales went to the World Cup. Uh, we, we kind of touched on this in the group chat, but Tom, I'm going to come to you first on this. I'll repeat it. It's not a if or it's not a, an either or. It's a would you ra- would you allow Swansea to do the double over us if it guaranteed Wales went to the World Cup? And if we take the emotion out of the question and you just do it on a purely footballing basis, it would be the, one of the biggest achievement, in arguably in Welsh football history, if Wales qualify for a World Cup and. Uh, a Swansea win is a double what is that you get nothing for a double do you this is just mm-hmm. something that's been man-made into an achievement you know it's it's a dead rubber technically in the league so take emotion out of it Wales going to the World Cup um, put emotion into it um, still Wales going to the World Cup because <laughs> it's a dead rubber <laughs> and it'd be the most historic thing in most football history so as much as we're a Cardiff City podcast you know I so if they do do the double, let's just play it down. It doesn't matter. They don't get any extra points for it. They don't get a trophy. It means fuck all. So, yeah, I'll go for Wales. Ben? Um, ask me now, I'd say Wales go to the World Cup. Ask me at a quarter to three on Saturday. And it's Wales going to the World <laughs> it's, Cup. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's still probably going to be Wales going to the World Cup. Yeah, but it's not going to be quite, quite as clear cut. Part of be going just because they'll do something that will annoy me. I'll get a DM from one of my mates who's a jack and will really annoy me. And then suddenly I'll be, all right, fuck them. I want us to, I want us to win at all costs. <laughs> For me, uh, uh, the way I would, I would phrase this, frame this is that I think it would, it would be Wales. And one of the main reasons for that would be so that we never have to discuss that no one's ever done a double in this fiction before. Because it always becomes a thread every year. And it does my fucking head in because you're right, Tom. Largely doesn't fucking mean anything. Yeah, you win two games in a season, big whoop, but there's a chance to do the double next year. Like, this is the last chance of this team probably to get Wales to the World Cup. Um, but yeah, I think by three o'clock on Saturday, I'll be baying for any kind of Swansea blood. So I think that's a good point, right? If they do the double this year and we do the double next year, I don't get ever gets mentioned ever again. No, of course it doesn't. It's like, because then, if, but if they win the double and then it doesn't happen for another 50 years, it does. It does become a bit of a millstone, yeah. I, I, I appreciate that, but... Um, I don't know. I, I mean, we can talk about the game now, um, but I just think, I think, I just the double thing gets blown up every year, and I just don't think it really matters. Every but I don't think it's every year. It's been the last five or two, six. Well, since, since no, it was since um, since the chopper season, right? Uh, because obviously they would win the first one. Um, they'd win the first one, and then they'd play us in the second one. It was always like, well, someone's got to do the double, or someone's it's gonna gonna ruin that because they would. It, it was what was it the, the the year that we played them three times? Once in the league cup, they beat us three two at home, and then we drew them two all away. Uh, three two away, we drew them two all at home. The season after, did they beat us at their place, and then we beat them at home with Chopper scoring the last minute goal? And then the following yeah. year, I can't remember what happened. It was Ebnez scoring at the Cardiff City Stadium and, and then we beat them away with Bellamy yeah so that's when it started becoming a thing because one team was always one game up in the second leg and then the year that we fucked it was the Premier League year where we beat them 1-0 at home under Colker and then the Cardiff City media team did a whole run of stuff going make mine a double make mine a double and it was like oh God yeah and then we were atrocious and then we lost 3-0 absolutely rubbish embarrassing um, but anyway, that was a different time. <laughs> now, this is Saturday. Um, had a look at the table, lads. Um, some fun, some fun stacked facts for you. Swansea are now only one place above us in the table. Um, our 
their goals for a 41, our goals for a 45, their goals against a 52, ours a 56. So we're basically better than them in attack by four goals, but worse than them in defence by four goals. So we basically cancel each other out at this stage. If we beat them, we'll go above them by one point. They will have a gaming hand. Um, ben, has there ever been a South Wales derby that mattered least than Saturday? It means so little, but seems means so much at the same time. It's a really weird one. It's a really it, weird feeling, isn't it? It is, yeah. It, on the other, if there's any other game, I'm not asked. Yeah, like oh, we go yeah. we go above someone big up, but when it's them and ev- the history that goes with it, you're like, oh, I've got to do. We've got to do these pricks. We've got to. It's such a strange, strange feeling that it bears no relevance on where we are next year. No matter what, both of us are going to be in the championship. We're going to finish around each other as well. Realistically, it means nothing to places. It might mean an extra 150 grand come the end of the season in prize money. That's about it. But I really, 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 really want to win it. Yeah. Tom, do you agree? Would you like to beat them? Yeah, funny enough. <laughs> um, I'm currently sat in West Wales and this will be my last trip back to West Wales for a long, long time if they beat us on the weekend because I can't stand being around Swansea fans after they've beaten us. So, no, I'm I'm pumped for it. Like, like Ben says, it, it's a game that should mean absolutely nothing, but it means everything at the same time and I really just don't want to lose to them. I convinced myself that I hate Bristol more than Swansea and then this game comes up and I'm like, I think I, I think I'm, I think I'm trying to convince myself that they're irrelevant, but uh, but I, I can't stand them, and I really hope. I, and it's a, like we, we were on about earlier on. I genuinely think we'll batter them, but I will take that nil nil right now. If so, Ben, I guess the, the the conundrum is: if someone comes to you now and says there's a 100 percent chance of a nil nil, um, you can have that now, take it, game over. Or there's a 50 percent chance we win three nil or lose three nil. What are you taking at this stage? Do you remember when I said I was shit at gambling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going to take the 50-50? I'm taking the nil-nil. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. And it's, it's interesting. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because I, I think even though we can sit here and say it's a game that doesn't matter on the grand scheme of the season, obviously in previous years we've been in the playoff run with them. We've been up there with them for the automatic promotion places, whatever it is. There's, there's lots of stuff going on. But this year, the game is a dead rubber, but it, you still want to win it. What's the thing with that? It's you. I've just spent two minutes saying how I'm desperate to win it. You've offered me a nil-nil. I've gone fuck it. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> it just shows how weird these sort of derby games are. To your sort of rational thinking. It's just yeah. It's such a strange thing. It's a special thing. It's nice to have. I can't imagine like you play some some clubs. Like you look at other. You look at the MLS. Sort of look at them that force franchise sort of derbies. How fans get excited for those? I don't get it because this is just like this history. This everything that goes with it, the build-ups. You remember like when they were, the good old days when they were featured on BBC Wales, you get the full 90 minutes for free instead of having to deal with Sky Sports. Mm-hmm. And the build-up packages just meant so much. They understood the culture of both clubs. And like, you, what was that Bellamy game? Almost 10 years now? Nine years ago? 2011, wasn't it? Yeah, so it'll get. I guarantee you it'll get shared. It's 11 years old now. It'll get shared at some stage, that promo package just before that game. Well, that'll get shared. Chopper scoring will get shared. McCormack's penalty. Kavanaugh's free kick in the FAW Premier Cup final will get shared. We wore green at Ninian Park. They'll all get shared. Um, 
uh, Tom, can you remember a derby that was a three o'clock kickoff? I think we played Bristol at a three o'clock. I can't remember a Swansea game, no. Eighty-six, isn't it? The last time it happened, something like that. So, so that makes sense. Why then? Before any of us were so, born. Yeah. No, how close were you? You must be pretty close to that, Ben. You? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was eighty-four actually. <laughs> no silence. Sorry. <laughs> it's not good silence because no one's quite sure when you were actually born. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I couldn't do the maths in my head. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, exactly. No one knows my actual age. Um, I'm actually fifty-six. Um, I just look very good for my age. Um, I can't remember what I was going to say next because Tom's taking the piss out of me. Um, I don't know who said. Yeah, three o'clock kickoff. So <laughs> is it weird? I don't know. What do you want me to say? <laughs> I've literally lost my train of thought. Players to worry about, possibly. No, I was going to say home advantage. Is it ours to lose, Ben? Okay, you're that stage. No. Um, yeah, like the we've, we've the record at the Cardiff City Stadium now is pretty good. So one loss since January. Um, yeah, we, we're, it's starting to get back that feeling. And with 30,000 people there as well, it's um, it should make for a hell of a game. I don't know if it's going to be quite as good as Thursday, but Christ, it's going to be a fun one again. Let's get Daffith Ewan in. Sing Yamo Heed again. Come on, Daffith. Uh, get down there. He's a Cardiff fan, isn't he? I have no idea. Um, Tom, are there any players from Swansea that you worry about? I've got Joel Pirro highlighted here. He scored against us in the first game. He's got, I think, 17 for the season. Um, do you worry about anyone else? Do you know any of their other players? I do, and I don't worry about them. I think he is the one really that, you know, he bags, he bags goals um, when they're not really creating too much. He's the one clinical player they've got. Um, without him and the team, they struggle a little bit. Um, I do... You, you you speak to any of their fans and there, there are starting to be a few who are losing a little bit of patience with Russell Martin's tactics, the way they're playing football. Yes, they're passing the ball about, but it's boring to watch. You know, mm-hmm. we're playing more direct at the moment, but direct with intent. You know, we're creating chances, we're putting in areas and they haven't been doing that. And I think they'd be really struggling if they didn't have a goal scorer like they did in Piro. We, I think we mentioned him at the beginning of the season. He's one of those signings they could have had that could have been it, it seemed like a really shrewd, sensible one, you know, bringing him in from a decent league in the Eredivisie, coming in, and, and he's proved to be that. Um, but outside of him, I'm famous last words again, I'm, I'm not too scared of anything they've got. I think we've got a lot better quality than them. We've got some exciting youngsters and cause them problems. And like you said, if we start harrying them, you know, let them have the ball, let them pass it um, at the back, but then press as a unit, you know, every now and again, and put them under a bit of pressure, uh, and I think we'll cause them problems. Um, so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll change my mind an hour before kickoff, but at the moment, I'm, I think we're a better team than them. Just a couple of stats to, to regale you with before we finish. Um, their home form, they've won eight, drawn five, lost five at home, scoring 23, conceding 20. Away from home, they've played 19, won five, drawn four, lost 10, have conceded 32 goals to scoring 18. And it's clear that they can only score goals from open play. They've scored 41 goals this season. 40 of them come from open play. One have come from a set piece. So Ben, is it a case of simply restricting them chances, letting them pass themselves to death, death by pressing them, letting them have the ball if they want to pass it around their defence and then just striking with, you know, with the players we know we've got? Yeah, we've got a clinical take our chances because I look, going forward, they've got some talented players. Oberfemi's on a bit of form now. He's starting to look mm-hmm. really solid. Piro's good. I think Grimes is like a fantastic midfielder. Downs is also a solid, solid player. Patterson, well, he's, he's, a just quality. he's just 
sort of average championship player, but is dangerous. It's when they get towards the back. I'm not convinced by their keeper. And yeah. I think he's got a couple of mistakes. And if you press him well, like we sort of did, you see that that goal against Stoke is the sort of goal. I think if we're going to get when we, if we get a goal, I think it's going to come from something like that. We're pressing them, forced them into areas at that back because Cabango's not quite for a young player. He's a good player, but he's not quite at that level you expect that you can sort of expect a confident ninety minutes and not make put, put a foot wrong. Um, the last few games they played Norton at centre back as well, and I don't rate him at all at centre back. He, there's an error there for sure. Um, Christie, there's a reason Fulham wanted to get rid of him, and Smith. You know, it's 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 a midfielder playing at left back. Um, yeah, they're there for the taking at the back, and it's down to us to sort of put the pressure on and sort of ride out them because they're going to have 60, 70 percent of the ball. But that's fine as long as we limit their chances because that's where they'll hit us. But I think we've got just as much chances us putting the pressure on them and sort of coming up with the goods because I fancy Hugo. And you say some people say it's not a game for Ikpiazu. Last 10, 15 minutes, I can see him coming on and causing absolute mayhem with, that, with those centre backs. Yeah. I was I having think... a look at their possession stats from the last three games 69, 71, and 76%. Go on, Tom. I think when you were reading out our away record for them as well, I think one of their games on an away weekend fixture they've won, all most yeah. of their away games that they've won have been those midweekers. They Mid-week really, ones, really yeah. struggle traveling on, on the weekends. And I know it's not traveling far, but you know, it. But like it's one of those things that sticks in your head as a player. I'm just, like they just can't seem to get a win away from their stadium. And I, I, I think I, I hate how confident I am going into this game because it doesn't happen very often, but we should be beating them, and I think we should be beating them comfortably. Go on then. Prediction time to round us off on the pod. Ben, what are you going for? Nil-nil. I don't predict derbies. I've never... Well, it's happening. Can't. There's one happening this weekend, so it's definitely happening. So you've got to predict the score. 3-1. City. To who? Which City? Fuck, I was hoping you weren't going to say that. <laughs> Nothing 3 1 Cardiff. 3 1 Cardiff, Tom? I'm, I'm, I'm in between 3 and 4 0. Um, I said 3 0 earlier with two Wintel goals, so I'm going for it. I can see Ben Price wincing. But I'm confident, so I'm going to go 3-0. I'll go 2-0. And then the final question, is there going to be a red card? Tom? Yes. Ben says yes, Tom? Uh, yeah, Will Volks, despite not being on the pitch. <laughs> Will Volks will get sent off somehow. Fine, I'm going to go with um, Jamie Patterson because he thinks he's Rambo. Um, and that's it for another episode of the podcast it's the Derby on Saturday we'll be back after the Derby if you like what we do make sure you're following us on Twitter twitter.com forward slash DFT Ninian if you like what we do so much that you want to give us some money go to ko-fi.com that's ko-fi.com forward slash DFT Ninian um, and that's it Ben, Tom thanks for joining me once again and we'll see you after the Derby may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty but they like to talk about Cardiff City it's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny and not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and